All right, why don't you go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, worship team. Oh, amen. A couple of announcements real quick. One is next Saturday is a hub cleanup day. Ben is in San Francisco, so he couldn't be here to make that announcement. But um, I really would like to encourage you to connect with Ben. Um, be here. Be a part of that. Um, I'm not going to be here or a part of that. So I need you to be here and be a part of it. We're, we're actually leaving this week to spend some time with Adrian's family. So you can be praying for us about that. Michael, are we recording this morning? Okay, awesome. Thank you. If you have not been here um, the last couple of weeks, uh, we'll try to figure out, is there a simple way of just putting those? Can we get those to Derek somehow? Okay. Uh, we'll try to get, we're, we've, we're, we've been talking about faith for the last couple of weeks and we're going to do that this morning again. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time reviewing because I want to be respectful of your time this morning. Um, but I do feel like it's important that we go back and make, we make another run at this. Um, I have appreciated the encouragement and the feedback over the last couple of weeks as we've talked about this. And I, I think I've told everyone who has talked to me about these words on faith. This is very much something I feel like God is forming for us. And it's not like a... Um, you know, not that very many of what I teach is like these polished messages that I'm going to preach over and over again. But I, I, what I'm saying is I don't feel like this is like, wow, here's this word that's a refined word already. I think this is one of those places where God is dropping breadcrumbs and leading us into a journey together. Does that make sense? Okay. So what I want to ask you to do this morning as we're reading is to have your heart postured in a way that what we're doing is not just listening um, to hear some produced message, but that we are on a treasure hunt together, that we are looking into the word together. Um, I don't like prescribing to people like how, what you should be doing in your like time with the Lord. You know, that's, uh, that's not my job is, you know, I don't feel like it's my job to feed the flock, right? What I want to see happen is that we are equipped to, uh, to be fed in the word. And then also one of the scriptures I hope we get to read today is that we are feeding each other. There is more written in scripture explicitly that the body of Christ learned to teach and exhort each other on a day in day out basis than there ever is that one person stands up in front of the uh, crowd with a microphone in his hand and teaches everyone. That's, that's what? That's valid. And so we're going to hopefully read one of those instances today that's probably one of the most explicit things um, I, pl I plan to read today in that. But, but in saying that, what I'm hoping that as people have come and said, wow, that word was really on point, I needed that. What I'm hoping is instead of like that being like, wow, that word is now complete, that this would be kind of like we're attacking this topic together. Does it make sense? And that as we're digging, that you're finding things and then we're refining these things together as we follow Jesus together. That is what the, the most simple expression of church that I know to be is people who are following Jesus, committed to him and committed to each other in the presence of those who don't know him. Okay, so that's what we're after together. And so that's not an easy thing, but definitely if you're just hoping to get a finished product this morning, it's not gonna happen. Okay, so let's review real quick. Two weeks ago, we just started talking about faith. And is anything, um, actually, I'm not gonna ask the question. I'm gonna do as best as I can to keep this precise. We talked about faith and we talked about the word of what that meant, meaning this idea of being convinced or convicted. And so we, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11. We actually looked at several scriptures, uh, but we talked now faith is, now faith is what? Faith is substance. And we said, hey, if faith is substance, then what are we building with that substance? What is it that we are establishing with that substance? And we also said faith is what? Evidence. And if, if our faith is evidence, is it enough to convict? Or what are we convicting? Like what, what case are we building in that sense? And so there's this idea that faith is not this um, empty idea, but faith is something that matters. And the, and, the, and the Greek word for faith is the word pistis. And it has that, that place of being fully persuaded, being fully convinced and where is faith anchored? Remember? Faith is anchored in the unseen. That's the other element that's always present with faith. When, when faith is fulfilled, 
it is then sight. And it doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's no longer faith. It no longer requires faith. Does that make sense? Okay. So then last week we added to that, we just started talking about the, the word faithful, which is faith was pistis, faithful, pistos. It's important because those words are not different. Those words are very much connect, connected. One is the noun form, one is the adjective form. And we said that was significant because faith is anchored in the unseen, but faithfulness, which is the practice of faith, is manifested by stewarding what's happening right now. And sometimes that can, there can feel like there's a big gap there. Okay, are we tracking together still? There's a big gap between what is unseen and out there that we are believing God for and the thing that we're stewarding today. And we read Luke 19, which is the parable of the minas. And in that parable, what's a little bit different than the other places that concept is there is whenever the master rewards those who've been faithful with what they had, he didn't just give them more talents or he didn't just give them more money. He actually made them ruler over cities. And one of the things we said was, as we practice faithfulness, we grow in authority in God's kingdom. Is that, are we all... Wow, that was a, I don't know if that was a good review, but that's the fastest review I've ever done. All right, thank you. Awesome. Woo-hoo! So let's get into Hebrews chapter 10. This is one of my favorite passages. I, I don't think I've taught on this in years, like if ever in AOX, and we're not going to try to teach on this, the wholeness of this passage, but this was super, super significant to me as someone who struggled with addiction. Because in this passage, in this section of Hebrews, Hebrews 9 and 10, it talks about the absolute power of the blood of Jesus to deliver us from dead works to serve a living God. And like for someone who was um, taught both by what was implied and also what was said explicitly, I was taught that my sin would be forgiven, but I would always carry the, sh the scars and I would always carry the shame. That was a consequence of my sinfulness. But as I began to read scriptures like Romans chapter 8 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. I began to see a conflict from this theology that said, I have to carry in my body my shamefulness as a way of keeping me humble. Are you familiar with that? Does anybody else have that kind of influence? Like, I, I, I need to remember how sinful I am so I'll remember how much I need Jesus. The problem is that keeps me in a place where I'm more aware of my sinfulness than I am his ability to save and deliver me from all my sinfulness. My sin, in essence, is more powerful than the cross because I'm carrying the reminders with me all the time of my sinfulness instead of, of his ability to set me free. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, there's a, there's a part in chapter 10 that we're not going to really dig into today that really just puts so beautifully about the sacrifice of Jesus and how the sacrifice of Jesus now frees us to not live under that shadow anymore, that every time, and we, and we mentioned this a little bit last week, that every time the, the priest would go in and, and make a sacrifice, what were they doing? Whenever they went in and they sacrificed an animal, what, did, what was it that they were doing? What's that? Trying to, redeem their sin. trying to redeem their sin? Atoning their sin? Was the power of atonement inside of that goat or inside of that sheep or inside of that bull? No. What they were doing was believing in something they hadn't seen yet. They were practicing faith, right? For the one lamb that would come. So they were being faithful to practice faith even though they hadn't seen the manifestation of it yet. And so in the terms of the cross, in terms of salvation, Hebrews 10 lays out perfectly and clearly we no longer have to put to death animals that never had the ability to, to cleanse our sins because the one perfect lamb has come. But the theme flowing out of chapter 10 is not about the, the abolition of all sacrifices. It's like in the same way now, you practice faith for what's coming. Let's look in the word this morning. In, in verse 19, we've now kind of flowed out of this place of the superiority of Jesus over the, over the animal sacrifices and how he's so much better than them. And now in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers having boldness to enter into the holiness or the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Who could enter through the holy place? 
Who was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies? The high priest, how many times a year? The high, high priest, once a year, was allowed to go in. Do you remember what kind of costume he had on? He had on special holy priest, high priest underwear. He had a, a rope with a bell. And Cass had to drag himself out of there. And so how, what kind of access did the people of God have to the presence of God? But brothers, therefore, since we have access, not to the outer courts, not to the inner courts, but since we have access to the holiest of places, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. Some translations put that by a new highway, like he paved a way. He made a way for us not to stand afar off and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. He made a way for us to come to the very throne of God. That the throne of heaven is your father's chair. Growing up as a little boy, my grandfather, my, my grandpap, had a chair. It was his chair. It was not just a piece of furniture in their living room. It was his chair. Did anybody else have that kind of uh, situation going on? And so I would run around and play all day. And whenever I saw my uncle's truck was coming in from work, I would run and plant myself in that chair because my uncle said, that's my chair until dad gets home. And he, I would plant myself in that chair and I would just soak in all of that chairness that I could get until my uncle came in and it was like a game. He had to get me out of the chair. I'd say, that's not your chair. That's grandpap's chair. And he'd say, well, it's my chair until he gets here. And he'd reach down and pick my little three-year-old self up and throw me on the floor. And I'd go in and I'd try to, and we'd just, this is, this is what we did is whenever I was there, because I knew that chair was not just a piece of furniture. It represented something. It was, it was the seat of my grandfather's authority in the house. The kind of access that we have, listen to what's getting ready to unfold. The kind of access that we have is not to come into a room once a week and sing songs and close our eyes and picture ourselves in heaven at this, you know, kind of faraway place. You have access right now. You are seated together with Christ in heavenly places right now. There is definitely an element of truth that whenever our bodies are, are done on this earth, whenever these tents are done away with, that we will be fully present with him. But there is also a truth that is just, uh, it's, it is more true the fact that you are sitting at 145 South Broad Street, that you are seated together right now with Christ in heavenly places. And there is an access there by the blood of Jesus that is meant to be the foundation of your faith is that you are not waiting for something that is not yet to happen to have an intimate, clear relationship with Jesus. But by his blood, we enter boldly into his throne room, not when you die, but as you live right now. Does that make sense? By a new and living way, which he's consecrated through us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Watch this, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What is the assurance of your faith built upon? Jerry was prophesying earlier this morning. Is the assurance of faith built upon how well you did this week? How many of you keep a... Uh, unofficial scorecard of your week, how you did this week. How many of you do that? Anybody? Okay. How many of you got A's this week? Anybody? Okay, let's all go home. If our faith rests in our ability to get an A, anybody get a B plus this week? Let us come close with a true heart full of assurance. Full assurance of faith. Why? Because Gabe's access does not depend on how good of a week Gabe had. Gabe's 
access depends on the fact that 2,000 years ago, there was one who came and put on display what happened actually before the foundations of the world. The lamb was slain so that we could have access to God. Before God ever formed Adam, he made a provision. The cross was not a reaction to our sin, but a preparation of a, of a good father who made a way for us before we even needed it. So it is true that Christ died for us while we were still in sin, but see, he made a provision for us before that even happened. Does that make sense? That's how much he loves you. And the goal of our faith is to live in access and the holiest of holies. Does that make sense? Guys, I know I told you like this is not a refined thing, but I want to make sure that I'm not just talking. I want to make sure that I'm not just saying words today because this is really important because it, it's kind of like, like from a practical place, not necessarily from my theology, but from a practical place, it can be like, man, by faith, maybe I can get there. Can anybody relate to that? By faith, maybe I can get into this relationship that God wants me to have. No, it's the other thing. It's because of God's purpose and his provision to, to bring me into the relationships he want to me, wants with me, now I can have a full confidence of faith. Marco, okay. Does that make sense? Guys, that, that, that can, does that feel foolish to anybody? Okay, let's just do that again. I think that God help us. Let's just imagine you're out on a trail and you've been walking for, you know, you've been walking, you know, all morning long and you know that there's a beautiful vantage point and the trail is going to be worth it. But, you know, you think, you think it's like a four-hour hike and three hours in, you get to a, a signpost that says four-hour hike. And you look and you can see up above you, you can see this beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, vista. You can see this beautiful place that you know the view will be worth it. But you just think, I, I don't have, I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me. But, but Jerry comes along, Holy Spirit and uh, Holy Spirit skinny energy comes and comes along next to you. And he says, hey, I will walk with you. Let's keep going. And so you walk three more hours and Jerry says, hey, I got to go. And you get to another sign. It says, beautiful place, beautiful vista, four hours walk from here. Has anybody ever had a week like that? It just feels like no matter how far you go, you feel like you've not gained any ground. And then Anna drops in and Anna says, hey, I'll walk with you. And this happens over and over, day in and day out, and you keep thinking, I'm, not, I'm never going to get there. And you begin to, to judge, how much more energy do I have? How much more food do I have? How much more time do I have? And you keep wanting to get someplace that always seems elusive. Does that make sense? And so we can kind of think that it's by whatever this thing is called faith that one day we'll get to that place that we're going and that's will be like this fulfillment of our faith. Does that make sense? But what this word says is he, because of the fact that you already have access to that place, because you start from that place, because you were made for that place, because you're already with him in that place, that's why you get to have faith. That's how you get to take the journey. Is not trying to journey to get someplace you're not, but because of his perfect love making a provision for you that you have access today to the holiest place. What is that holiest place full of? What's the most holy place? Throne room. And what's in the throne room? Just him. Cody, what does it mean to seek first? The kingdom. Any thoughts? I'm teasing the new series coming out by Cody Weber soon. Hey, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom?
All right, you just, you, that was all good, but you hit the gold right at the end. Can you seek the kingdom without first seeking the king? You might want to write this down. If there's any phrase in, or any place in your mind where the phrase the kingdom has become this new way of like a biblical Christian worldview, get that out of your vocabulary, get that out of your heart. The kingdom without the king is just dumb. Yeah. The kingdom without the king is just dumb. Like we can't replace our other religious thought processes with like, oh, what's the kingdom way of thinking and not think about the Christ. Because as soon as we do, we're just trying to come up with another set of ideologies and philosophies that will be the thing that give us uh, easy answers in life. And that is not God's heart for you. God's goal for you is not to get you to a place where it's easy. We know this. And again, I know I've quoted this the last two weeks because I feel like I'm living in it. And if I'm living in it, I'm going to tell you about it, right? Acts 14, Paul shows up to encourage the believers and says, strengthen their faith. And he says this, you must by many adversities, enter into the kingdom. Wait, I thought if I was seeking first the kingdom, then everything would be added to me and everything would be easy. That's not what it says. If you seek first his kingdom, all those things, all those provisions will be added to you, but no place. Actually, I was sharing, I was sharing with someone this week and one of the things I love sharing is when I'm sharing the gospel. Jesus was honest And he didn't say, if you follow me, everything will be okay. He said, if you follow me in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations of every kind, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome those things. And the church, anytime the church has created this path that the gospel is going to lead to an easy life, we are not only preaching in something that's not true, but we are denying the very words of Jesus himself. And we have taken this idea, if I live a life that God can bless, then my life will be good. And we look for principles to get a blessed life. And sometimes, you know what, it happens. And then we have a hard time laying it down. Why would I want to lay down this life? God's already blessed me with so many good things. And then the blessings of God become obstacles to living a yielded life and dying daily. Are you guys with me still? (laughs) Listen to this. Someone said to me recently, hey, I can believe in Jesus and not follow him. How many of you, that sounds pretty normal, kind of like to just like a, uh, yeah, that seems, that seems logical that you could believe in God, but not really, you know, make him the number one thing in your life. That, that seems completely normal to the way that religion works. Jesus had some things in Luke 14 to say about that, that honestly, Luke 14 still offends me. Hey, I want to follow you, but can I go back and bury my parents? hey, if that's what you're concerned about, then you're not worthy. That's just, I didn't want to say that. Hey, can I just finish this thing that I started a little bit ago? Because I'm almost done plowing this field. And if I could just get finished with it, then that would seem like a much better version of success for myself. Yeah, I completed the task and then I gave everything to Jesus. How many of you that sounds more responsible to finish plowing the field? And he said, hey, if you need to even look back to that field, you're not ready to follow me yet. I I promise you, this is not my words. Actually, I had to send them to somebody and just, I mean, because they're like, man, you guys are a cult. (laughs) You think that you have to have Jesus as the the leader of your life if you're going to believe in him. And I said, you're right, but that's not my words. Those are Jesus's words. Guys, Christianity as a religion just sucks. It's a very lousy religion. It doesn't require anything as a religion. But following Jesus is about receiving this free gift and then giving him back everything. Right? And it doesn't happen by compulsion. It happens out of a a response to love. Are you with me? Oh, man. God, please help us. We don't want to live something that's artificial. We want our faith to have substance. We want our substance to be substantial. All right, let's look back at the, at the, what the Bible says here. That's the best place to look. 
Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an, in, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Here we, guys, I'm not just saying these words to be silly, right? But here we have a call for your faith, for your pistis, to be fully assured and confident because of his faithfulness. Your faith does not rest in your ability to execute something. Your, your faith does not even come in your ability to follow through on what you know is right. Your faith needs to be anchored in the fact that he is faithful. Now, I don't want to ever use that as an excuse not to be faithful myself, but I need to understand this. If it is truly the seed of Christ in me that gives me hope, any time that I try to build my faith on my ability to execute instead of the assurance of his seed being more fully developed in me, I'm putting my hope in the wrong place. Does that make sense? I'm trying to say that one again. Holy Spirit, give me rewind. Anytime I try to put my, the confidence of my faith or, or the, uh, yeah, the, the, the assurance of my faith in my ability to execute something, instead of in the seed of Christ that's in me, I am putting my confidence in the wrong thing. If I said to you, how many of you believe that you can be good enough to one day not need salvation? Who would raise your hand? No one. But if I said to you, how many of you practically in the working out of your faith find yourself still trying to rely on your flesh more than you do the seed of Christ in you? How many of you can raise your hand? There's just something in us that's like we, are, we can be confident, of the, confident in the historical fact of the cross, but forget that for some reason it pleased God not to establish and drop the fully mature version of the kingdom inside of us. He didn't drop the fully mature version of the Christ in us, but he put it into us as a seed. How many of you kind of wish that in this moment God just gave you the, you know, like the fully mature version all the time? But man, does it take more faith to allow a seed to grow? Versus just seeing, well, did it work? What is the DNA of an apple seed? Is the apple seed an, an apple? Is the cherry blossom a cherry? God decided to deposit things in us in seed form and allow them to grow. And Christ being formed fully in you is not something that, that is all just, well, let's, let's see if it happens. Now, here's what we have. Well, let's read this and then we'll, we'll talk about our responsibility to cooperate with the seed. Okay? Keep reading. For he who promises faithful, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as the day is approaching. As you think about the seed, there's different parables that Jesus talks about, but one of the parables where he talks about the seed, he also talks about soils. And I would submit to you, not just here, but early in Hebrews, there's a place that says, as long as it's still called today, encourage each other. Don't allow each other to have hard hearts, but encourage each other. And he begins to contrast that with the story of what happened back in the wilderness. Can you tell me what was happening with the children of Israel in the wilderness? What was the circumstances that surrounded them? They were angry. They didn't listen, grumbling, wandering, ungrateful. This was their attitude. Do you know why the scriptures say they didn't enter in? What's that? Unbelief. Now, let's think about what they saw. 
they saw 10 plagues come and deliver them. They saw a cloud by day and a fire by night. They saw God open up the Red Sea and give them passage through on dry ground and destroy their enemy. They ate what is it every day. That's what manna means. What is it? What are you having for today? What is it? What are you having tomorrow? What is it? I don't want any more. What is it? Quail! <laughs> we'll take more. What is it, please? <laughs> they, they ate food that was from heaven. Their clothes didn't wear out. And they, and they didn't enter into the land because of what? Unbelief. Listen to this, guys. This is really important. I hear sometimes people say, wow, if I could just get back to the book of Acts, if we could just see the miracles take place like they saw back then, then it would be easier for me to have faith. Now, I would tell you, more, more miracles and signs and wonders were seen in that generation than any other generation in history. Guys, they lived with an abiding cloud. They, they followed, I mean, you talk about GPS. They followed the cloud. Cloud by day. And just so you know, it wasn't some weird weather phenomenon. Cloud by day that switched to fire at night. This was, they lived in the undeniable presence of the supernatural and that did not lead them to a place of belief. What it says in the word is, because they died of unbelief, see to it then that you encourage each other day by day. That's just earlier. That's a few chapters earlier in the letter. Here it says, hey, hold on to the confession of your hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful next and let us consider one another. See, your relationship with God, if it ever seems like your relationship with God is just about your relationship with God, doesn't match the pattern of scripture. Your relationship with God was meant to overflow. Your relationship with God was because you are confident and full of faith. Now, what does the word consider mean to you? So let's actually think about Susan. What could we do this week? Hmm, let's conspire together with the Lord of what we could do to set her up for love and good works. That's what this scripture is saying. Let me think about Sean and what it is that Sean needs that I could overflow with Sean. That's what this scripture is telling us that is a part of our walking this out together. Does that make sense? Yes, no? So here is this call to faith in his faithfulness to a heart of assurance a heart of confidence and a heart of sharing our journey with each other, of walking this out with each other. And we're, we're going to skip a part and we're going to read a couple verses at the end of this because I want to I tie this in. We're not going to try to teach through the whole next two chapters, but I want you to see the connection here. I want you to see the links here. So he's now going to talk about what happens when we continue to choose to sin. And guys, it's really good, but, but to stay on topic, I want you to look down at... Verse number 32, and I just want you to see what's happening there. He says, but recall in the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproach and tribulation, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possessions for yourselves in heaven. I read that part because I want you to know this is also connected to this idea of faith is not something just that you use and withdraw from a deposit in the midst of diversity, but your faith is actually built in the midst of adversity. Your faith is actually something that is growing in these times of testing, in times of transitions, in times of hardship. There's actually something that while it may cost you everything right now, you are gaining something that's going to be more enduring in heaven. 
straight from the mouth of Jesus. Listen, I'm not against 401ks. I'm not against healthy savings plans, but straight from the mouth of Jesus, don't store up for yourself treasure here on earth where moth and, and dust corrupt and thieves breaks through and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Listen, if the life that you are living following Jesus costs you something here on earth, don't say what's wrong. It was the message that he preached while he was here. Your priority is not the accumulation of wealth and possessions here. Why would you give your life for what's only gonna last for a few decades? But store up for yourself a life in heaven where none of those things have a, listen, there's no dust or moths that are gonna come and destroy your nice new sweater in heaven. No thief can break through and steal what you give and what you store in your worship to Jesus and your reflection of, of honor and worship to him by the life that you live. You may lose it all here by gaining it all there. Look at verse 35. Underline this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. I don't want you to raise your hand. I've had conversations with some of you over these last few weeks and, and the confidence of your faith is being tested. Listen to this writer. Whether it's Paul, whether it's someone else, it doesn't really matter, but listen to the words that he's saying. Don't allow your confidence to be stripped from you. Don't throw away your confidence in the midst of this hardship. Because that confidence has great reward for you have need of endurance. Can you say that? We have need of endurance. Say that, come on. We have need of endurance. How many of you know that's true? Come on. So what is it that we're doing? We're not gonna throw away our confidence. Why? Because our confidence doesn't rest in my ability to get there. My confidence rests and he has made a way for me to have access and already be there. I am not living to get into his presence. I am living from his presence. There is not, there is not a day that Brad McCoy has the ability by my my best goodness to somehow break through into the heavens and, and earn a seat in the throne room of God. But Jesus looks at his disciples who had walked with him for three years. They had slept on the ground with no, with no pillow. And he said, it is the father's delight to give you the kingdom. It doesn't come because we've earned it. It doesn't become because we've deserved it. You cannot pray your way to it. You can't fast your way to it. You cannot witness your way to it. It is because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of, of the body that was broken. His flesh. He said, no man can take my life, but I lay it down. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Listen to this promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. Can I submit to you that in our stream, we don't talk enough about the coming of Jesus. I know for me in my personal life, I grew up in a, in a, in a, Denomination. I grew up in a tradition where it seems like all we talked about was the fact that he was coming. And it almost discouraged you from living a life of like responsibly following Jesus because it was like he was going to come back any moment and you just wanted to get done whatever you need to get done. You know, and that, I don't know if that makes sense, but guys, listen, there is a clear picture in the word of God that a big part of our motivation does not need to be how well we can do on this earth. But to live in fear with a godly fear of the fact that he's coming. Listen to this again. Are you with me? All right, listen. Verse 35, look at it. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you need endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. 
Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back by perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of our souls. Did you hear that? How many of you want to be able to say with confidence, I will not draw back in the day? I will not draw back. Next verse says what? Now faith is. The just shall live by faith. Now faith is. Now faith is substance. Now faith is evidence. Now faith is anchored in what we cannot see. But I want to take a few minutes. I want you, listen, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm inviting you. But I want you to either take out something. I would like to invite you to take something out. I want you to do this because I don't want you to just hear this. I know that my reading of this scripture will not be what produces the fruit that you want in your life. So I want you to get something out to write with or get your phone out and take a note or do some underlining somewhere. But I want you to see this. And we're just going to read through. And we're not going to read all of this, but I want you to read through what happens by faith. Can you say by faith? The just shall live by faith. You need endurance. You need endurance so you can receive the promise. And here's the promise. Is he who is coming will come and won't delay. Guys, I feel like I am called to live like he could come back this week, but to live like he may not come back until my great, 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 great grandkids have lived their life. I need to be both saying yes to him now, but also living my wife life in a way that I'm preparing for the future. Does that make sense? Yeah? All right. Guys, I think I can be done with this pretty soon, but I want you to lean in. Okay? I want you to lean in, and we're, gonna, we're just going to ask God to help us. Okay? Look at verse two, 2. It says, for by it, by what? By faith, underline, the elders obtained a good report. What happened? By faith, they obtained good for, a good report. Verse three, by faith, we understand. This is a really important. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. Listen to me. It is very easy for, you to, for us to read the Bible and say, well, that's just not how the world works. Does that make sense? Have you ever done that? You look at, well, man, I wish that's the way it was, but it's just not how it is. Somebody said to me this week, I was having a conversation with them. I was kind of pleading with them. Hey, you don't have to do it this way. They said, well, that's just not, Brad, that would be really cool, but that's just not the way the world works. This is really good because it says, by faith we understand not that the word of God is framed by the way the world works, but the worlds were framed by the word of God. If you want to try to reconcile your life and somehow say, I'm going to follow Jesus according to the patterns of the world, you'll be frustrated every day of your life. Paul says to the Colossians, you have died to the basic principles of the world. You've died to this world's patterns at the cross. Colossians 2, if you need to look that up. So don't try to reconcile your life to following Jesus in some way that makes sense to the world. It's never going to happen. Selah. All right. Verse number four. By faith. Say by faith. Abel offered up to God a more excellent sacrifice. There is a way that faith allows us to offer up something that, again, isn't, it isn't congruent with the patterns of this world. What Cain wanted to do actually makes more sense in the earth realm, but it just wasn't what God was looking for. So by faith, there's an offering that we can give. Look at verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And it was not found because God had taken him, or he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. By faith, we please God. I said this a couple weeks ago, but I want to come back to it right now. So important. I realize I have a propensity in my life to try to grow and mature to a place where everything is stable and solid and everything is kind of built around those things that are stable and solid. If everything that is seen is stable and solid, I don't feel like I need much faith anymore. So I don't think that we, I mean, I'm not against stability. 
and I'm not against maturity. Don't hear that. But I am going to say this. I don't want the goal of my life to grow to a place where I don't need faith. I don't want the goal of our church to get all the answers we're seeking figured out so then we don't need faith. I want us to need faith together because the next verse says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Here's Enoch's testimony. By faith, he pleased God. Got it? Let's read a couple more. I actually think this one's worth us, us Holy Spirit help. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. This one is really important. Based on what was not yet seen, by faith, he moved. By faith, he prepared. Listen. I was having a conversation yesterday with some uh, young, younger disciples. And the one girl has been hurt over and over and over again in the church. I mean, just has been in ministry positions. Her dad has been in ministry positions, been hurt over and over and over. And I was trying to express some things in terms of intention, in terms of relationship. And one of the things that I think about all the time, but I don't know if I say it enough, is guys, like, when I read the word of God about what God says about his church, I do not think, wow, that looks exactly like AOX. Boy, have we arrived. Do you know what I read? When you know what, I, what I see when I read those scriptures that talks about that glorious church? It's like, man, I can't wait to get to that. I get homesick for something I have not seen. What does, the, what does that place of homesick do? It is fuel for the journey. Listen, we've not arrived someplace because I feel honored to follow Jesus with you and be on a journey where we're not pursuing the easiest way of doing this, but we're trying to pursue what's in this book. Amen? How many of you know there are easier, easier way? Like your life could be much easier if you just said, hey, I just want to subscribe to an easy version of Christianity and hope that everything turns out okay. How many of you know that would be easier? It's not going to work. But like we could feel better about ourselves now with less effort. I truly believe that. I think that's possible. But what this is talking about here is by faith, he moved with fear. Think about it. This is the connection, guys. This is why I wanted to read this this morning to you. Because there is a connection in faith and faithfulness that I want to say, I don't know what it fully looks like yet, but let's, let's go after it. Let's have faith for what's not seen. I hope and pray that every one of us has a something that we're believing God for that we have not yet seen. Because that is what faith is and that is what is required for us to live a life that's pleasing to God. Don't be discouraged by what you haven't seen, but allow faith to be your fuel for it. But in the meantime, in the meantime, while you're, you're still waiting to see that thing that hasn't happened yet, practice faithfulness. Can you imagine Noah? Can you put yourself in Noah's shoes and imagine what it would be like to build a boat because it's going to rain? What's rain? I don't know. But God says it's going to happen. What's a boat? I don't know. But God said we're going to need it. Years. That's what it means to be faithful. Faithful means being willing to do the day in, day out thing that's connected to your faith that seems foolish without it. Again, let's not allow consistency to be, to be what we think faithfulness is. Without faith, we can't be faithful. I can be consistent, but I can't be faithful. Does that make sense? All right, let's read one more. Read verse nine. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, 
as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. All right, the plane is now coming. We're going to now land the plane. But I need you to stay with me. Noah moved in preparation to build something that nobody had even seen that was, that was a need for it yet. I fully believe this. As representatives of the king and his kingdom, we should have solutions to things the world doesn't even know there's a, a need for yet by faith. We should live in a way that our lives are preparing for what's going to happen before there's even a need. I think about Joseph and I think about how God used a dream to warn a king. And before there was even a problem, God put an answer in Joseph's mouth. And the answer was connected to this thing of preparation. I believe that some of you, God has asked you to do things or is asking you to do things or has dropped things in your heart. And you're like, man, that just doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't even understand why that's a need. But like, I want to point you back to the word and I say, let's get in a place where we can be confident in faith so we don't wait till there's a disaster to say, hey, we should prepare for the disaster. Does that make sense? By faith, Abraham was called to leave without knowing exactly where he was going. And he dwelt, the Bible says he dwelt in the land in tents. Can you say in tents? What is the word, whenever you think about tent, what does that imply? Temporary. See, Abraham never got to dwell in the land as something established. He was only there in its temporary form. Listen to me, Holy Spirit, please help us. It was only there in its temporary form whenever he was actually living into it. But it says to us, guys, that was not just because, well, that was the old days and everybody lived in tents. No, it says he was actually waiting for the building of a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God. I'm telling you, there is something about this place of living homesick that is a big part of faith and faithfulness. And I don't want you to live in disillusionment. I don't want you to live in a place of disappointment, but there should be something beyond where you are that you are hungering for. Can you hear me? There should be something beyond the reality of today that we say, yes, God, I believe that is what you want, and now I'm going to take a step to practice that faithfulness. Does that make sense? All right. I want, I'm not going to read these, but I want you to go and just look at verse 17. It talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the fact is that not only did Abraham by faith move, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had to contend for promises in a way that did not look like the easy fulfillment of those things. How many of you are like, man, God said it and it hasn't happened yet? How many of you that can be frustrating? Don't be disappointed. But in the midst of God talking about confidence and faith, he says, let this be a faith that's so strong you can hand off the faith for generations. How long does God need to fulfill a promise? What's that? He could do it right now. The one who spoke the world into existence does not need a lot of time to get things ready. But he said to Abraham, get up and leave. Mitch, get up and go. Mitch, get up and go. And I'll give you instructions on the go. That's not go. Listen, that's not going. Do it again. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. All right. Mitch, get up and go. Get, get up and go. I don't know where I'm going, but there'll be instructions on the way. Who would like to be Mitch's son? Somebody need somebody to play Mitch's son or daughter. Who can be the... Somebody. Okay, Abby is going to be Mitch's daughter. So Mitch spends his life telling Abigail, listen, God gave a promise, and I don't really know exactly how this is going to work out, but I do know this. He who promised is faithful. Don't, you stopped. 
Abraham, Isaac. Robbie, can you play along? Can you be Jacob, please? All right, so we now have Abraham's gone. Mitch can sit down and his bones are laying. Come back this way. Move back here just for the sake of the illustration. Mitch, you're now retired. Abby, come back. And, and Abby and Robbie are now, guys, they felt like they were wandering. Abby and Robbie walked back this way. It felt like they were wandering. Isaac's gone. Hey, Abby, sit down. And now Jacob has a lot of kids. Bear, can you go walk with Robbie? And their lives move in. Watch me, watch me. Their lives move in and out of the promised land. Their lives move in and out of the promised land. One of the things that's very interesting is the moving of bones. The tombs. Go back and read about the tombs of, of these patriarchs and their families. Come up here. And they end up in this place where one of Jacob's sons is sold into slavery. And, and, and Jacob lays his hands on his son, actually, and on his son's sons, and he blesses them, and then Jacob dies. Last verse we're going to read right now. Verse 22, watch this, guys. Come on, this is, Holy Spirit, please help. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the depart, departure of the children of Israel and gave them instructions concerning his bones. Lay down. Who was Joseph in Egypt? He's the vice Pharaoh. He has been to the top of the seven mountains. And as he's dying, he calls someone to come close and said, listen, this is not the end of the story. My dad's grandpa got a promise from God that one day he would give us a land that would be ours. So when I'm gone, and even if they forget about me, you remember. And whenever the time comes to finally go into that place, take my bones because there's a promise and he who promised is faithful. I would say to you, we need to pray that God would allow our faith to grow in substance so even if we don't see it happen, our words to our children says there's a promise that is true. That doesn't mean you won't see the fulfillment of your promise, but it does mean this. Your promise, your, your faith will rest in the faithfulness of one who is true and not on the circumstances you see. There is something that God wants us to move. Last week we talked about from faith to faith. But I'm just telling you this. I have signed up to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. I have signed up believing, reading Isaiah, where it says that the increase of his kingdom is without end. When you look at the news, do you always feel like that's what's happening? When you see the things that are happening in culture, when you see the way that it looks like the world is going, does that feel like those things are true? No, it doesn't feel like that, but it is true. Like, I believe who, that he is who he says he is. And I believe, man, I believe that in my lifetime, we're going to see nations know Jesus. But if I don't see it, it's still worth fighting for. Let's, let's just close our eyes for a second. Let's finish up this morning. I'm not here to try to impose some super heavy burden on you. That's not my heart. But I am here to say, 
let's not just live for today. I am here to say, don't allow the things of this world to become more real than the things that are unseen. Some of you, God has dropped things already into your hearts. I was writing an email this morning, just meditating on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because sometimes when some of the greatest distractions come through opportunities and open doors. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust to the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. But sometimes if I'm not careful, it's easy for me to allow my understanding to frame the word of God in my life. To allow that the way that this world works to determine the way that, well, man, this just seems like the thing I should do. Because it's going to lead to the best opportunity or the best the best chance for me to move, kind of move forward in life. But I would just say that like, there's a reason why that verse is in there. And it's not, you know, in, in leaning not on our understanding, it's so that we can lean completely into his. And I would just pray that this morning that God would add to your faith. I would, that God would add like by faith, we are able to offer a more pleasing sacrifice. By faith, we're able to understand by this evidence and by this substance that is not based on what we can see. Guys, our questions in our heart aren't bad. It's just how we respond to them. If when the, and the hard question comes up in my heart, I have to rely on what I can see to explain them, then I'll never be in a place where I can be at rest and at peace in what God says. Because faith isn't built in my ability to have clear, easy answers. Faith rests in his faithfulness. My assurance rests in his faithfulness. The writer of Hebrews goes on to talk about faith for probably 15 more verses after what we read. And he concludes it. He concludes that thought at the beginning of chapter 12. He says, now then, let us run. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. From faith to faith. He's the starting line. He's the finish line. He's the one who sourced it. He's the one who completed it. We just say, yes, God, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to participate with you. What I want you to do this morning, I just want to invite you. I'm going to actually close my eyes. I won't know who's doing this, who's not. But I want you to like lay your hands on your, on your heart or on your stomach. And I just want to ask that, that you would begin to pray with me that like um, God would form something in you that like if there's already a place of what faith looks like, like, like what you having faith for, that you would just say, God, I say yes. I say yes to allowing you to form in me that thing which I cannot see. I say yes to allowing you to form in me what my eyes may never see, but that my faith would be built not on what I can do, but upon your faithfulness. My faith would be built upon on what Jesus has already done to give me access. God, I pray right now by your spirit that you would come and change the way we think any trace, any trace that is left in us, God, where we're trying to work our way into your presence, work our way into your good grace. God, we repent of that. We ask that you would come and you would strip that away from us, Lord, so that it would be by the blood of Jesus, by the beauty of his broken body, that we live in a bold, courageous access, that we Listen, guys, it's not, we're not lowering the holiness of God here. That's not what I'm talking about. But you were not made to live as a stranger in his presence. You were made, according to the word, to live as strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. You should be at home. We were created to be at home in his presence, that the oxygen there is what's most normal. So God, I just pray encouragement and blessing on your people. God, refine this word in us. Refine this word in us. I started out saying this and I didn't finish it. 
I don't want to tell you what to do in terms of like reading your Bible, but if you don't have someplace you're camped out, I would do two things over these next three or four weeks. I would read Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 over and over and over again. Just make it where you could almost memorize it. You know, just meditate on the word, get it into your spirit. And then also the book of Ephesians is really helpful in teaching us how to live in the unseen, teaching us how to live in, in the heavenly realms. One of the most profitable, productive things I've ever done in my life was I took just about six months and I just read the book of Ephesians every day and just asked God, teach me how to, to, to understand and live in the idea of the heavenly realm. Because that's where, that's where our faith is anchored. It's anchored in the unseen. So God, I pray blessing, God, on, on this family. God, I pray blessing on... We pray for Derek and Laura again. We pray for Mike, God, for others who are away. Um, God, we pray for our friends and our family that you have uh, scattered around. God, we, we recognize that, Lord, we are a community of people, a church family of people here that's a part of your body in Grove City. God, that we have uh, responsibilities with each other. We also recognize you've called us to be connected with other people. Lord, teach us how to strengthen and how to receive strength from others. And God, we pray that that scripture we, we mentioned at the end of worship, that the light of the king's face, that in that there is life. And your favor is like a cloud of latter rain. We say, God, let this week, let us learn what that means to walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen.